0: Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. I am joined by my two good friends from separate sides of the Commonwealth in the 757. We have the one and only Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, it's good, man.
1: Um, I wanted to make a stop at the ABC store today to stock up on provisions for tomorrow. So for those of you who are Uh, Listening to this at an odd time, that we're recording this on Monday, uh, Monday evening, so we all know what tomorrow is, and boys, it's going to be a shit show, (laughs) so I am looking forward to coming home after bowling on uh, tomorrow night and having a few adult beverages, and um,
0: yeah, Yeah, it is what it is, man. 2020. (laughs) Let's throw a cherry on top, right? It's just uh, an election year. Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. Should be exciting. Uh, Mike McDaniel. I'm sure he's excited getting out and voting, as I encourage all of our listeners to do. You are American. You have said right and you should exercise it. But other than that, Mike, how you feeling, buddy?
2: So I don't have my usual microphone tonight. So hopefully I sound okay for the duration of this podcast, but to Ricky's point about tomorrow night, I'm just going to stay way the hell away from social media. I'm just going to kind of do this whole blackout thing probably throughout most of the day tomorrow, um, specifically like afternoon through the evening. I will not be on social media. I think that'll be a disaster for all involved.
0: Yeah. I I, I'm going to be staying away from social media. And I think, Regardless of who wins, I'm going to be staying away from windows because you never know what might fly through regardless regardless of who emerges victorious in this one. But, hey, politics, man, it's exhausting. It's divisive. Do you know what's not divisive, I assume, to the general population listening to this podcast? Virginia Tech victory. And we will cover everything Virginia Tech-Louisville. The Hokies coming away with a victory there, a bounce-back win after Wake Forest. Before we do that, though, I got to tell you guys, the Hogie Angler podcast is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is your one-stop shop for a pharmacy that truly cares about you. If you want to be treated like a neighbor rather than a number and support someone who supports the local Blacksburg community and the Virginia Tech Athletic Program, look no further. The Main Street Pharmacy, Dr. Jeremy Gounce and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Well, gentlemen, you know, a little stressful last weekend when Virginia Tech drops one to Wake Forest. And I posed the question last week, can they bounce back? Was Wake Forest going to be the straw that broke the camel's back or could this team get back on the right track and, you know, play the kind of football, at least on the offensive side of the ball, and score points and do what we thought they could do? Well, they did get back on the right track, a 42-35 victory over the Louisville Cardinals in the two teams' first matchup since Louisville joined the ACC. Virginia Tech, they stormed out to a 21-0 lead. You know, we told you guys it would be a stomachache, and when we were up 21-0, I thought maybe it wouldn't be. Boy, it was I wrong yep louisville keeps it close they bring it back to seven and a half time and it's punch counterpunch the rest of the way but luckily virginia tech does what they need to do in the end and they end up picking up a seven point victory resiliency always a characteristic of these justin fuente led teams when they drop a game that maybe they're not supposed to lose what were your initial reactions to just the way the Hokies played when they took the field against louisville on saturday
1: uh offensively I really liked how they emphasized running the football um there were some questionable play calls in my opinion from Brad Cornelson, but by and large I appreciated the fact that they mostly didn't fool around and took it right to Louisville's front seven which as we learned at least I learned right before game time was being hit quite severely by uh, contact tracing and positive tests and things like that. So I believe Louisville's defensive um, defensive six or seven had anywhere from like eight to nine people that were out, um, which obviously just kills your depth in those positions, and that's really important up front. But even with a really healthy group, I'm not sure that Louisville would have had much of a chance stopping Virginia Tech's running game—they had everything going. Khalil Herbert was fantastic again. Hendon Hooker was fantastic again on the ground. This offensive line did a much better job on the perimeter, on outside, on outside zones. They did a good job inside. Uh, it it was—it was really a dominating performance by the offensive line. Um, defensively, it was obviously super disappointing to watch them give up 21 points in the third, in the fourth quarter, rather. Um, Louisville scored on all three of their fourth quarter possessions. And it looked there for a point that if Virginia Tech didn't recover an onside kick, they were going to lose the football game, uh, simply because they just, their defense was flat out gassed and had no, no answer for Louisville in the fourth quarter. Um, but the Hokies are able to hang on. And really, I think this game is exactly who Virginia Tech is. I think we have a pretty good idea. Of what the Hokies are at this point, they're an offense that can move the ball pretty efficiently. They're going to put up points. They're going to score thirty plus. It seems like every time out. Um, defensively, they're going to get you some stops here and there, but by and large, they're going to give up a lot of points. They're going to give up a lot of yards. They're gonna they're going to struggle to get off the football field. And for a good por- uh, for a good portion of this game, that's exactly what Tech was right. Their offense was terrific. Uh, defensively they were they were good enough for the first three quarters and then they just flat out fell apart in the fourth Um, and I think that that's pretty indicative of who Virginia Tech is at this point Um, now whether you think that that's good enough or not that's a different discussion but I think we have a pretty good idea as to who the Hokies are now
0: yeah good enough is a question but kind of Mike one thing I want to ask you Virginia Tech is who they are at this point Ricky is exactly right And, and does this fan base need to accept that we just got to kind of find wins however we can get them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, a majority of the fan base that's out there complaining about how the team looks defensively, we knew that Tech had a lot of guys returning from a year ago, but I think most fans who were disappointed by the play at the defense and it hasn't been, it hasn't been good. It's gotten better as the season's gone on, but it hasn't been to the level that most people expected. I think we all underestimate a little bit the change um, in scheme from what Bud Foster ran to what Justin Hamilton's running. I think we underestimated that a little bit,
0: especially given the circumstances of COVID-19, the lack of spring, the shortened camp, the, absences that people had due to COVID during that camp on a team that was already plagued by injuries, right?
2: Right. Like I, I think that a lot of you know obviously all these all teams are going through the COVID stuff, but not all teams are switching coordinators and switching schemes in the middle of it. Um and I, I think we underestimated that a little bit because it's taken a little while for Virginia Tech's defense to you know, get the ball rolling, whether it be because of who they had lost in the secondary and on defense side of the football for the first few games of the year to really just getting used to playing in a new scheme with uh, the guys who have been there for a while now finally healthy. I mean, we've really only seen the Tech defense now fully healthy and engaged for a few games here. And that's with no spring, uh, modified fall camp. Um, so I think there's still opportunity for Virginia Tech's defense to improve, certainly. Um, we've seen it. I feel like the last three games, Virginia Tech's defense has certainly been better than it was early in the year. Um, I thought the defense, for the most part, on Saturday did a really nice job against Louisville's rushing attack specifically. Uh, the 90-yard run before halftime is indefensible. It can't happen. I mean, Louisville's waving a white flag there. They're trying to go into the locker room down, you know, 21-7. to 7. Um, But, you you know, you give up that 90-yard touchdown run, but if you, if you look at JV on Hawkins' stats, we talked about JV on Hawkins in the preview and how crucial he is to what, everything that Louisville does on offense, how crucial he is to that. He had 16 carries for 39 yards. He also had one carry for 90. So if you take that 90-yard run out, I think Virginia Tech obviously emphasized stopping the run in this football game. And outside of that one play before halftime, I thought Tech's defense overall did a pretty nice job containing Hawkins' Um, Malik Cunningham it was a little bit different Um, now you can't take away everything that Louisville does Um, and Tech has historically struggled with dual threat quarterbacks I kind of continued a bit on Saturday you know Tech forces three turnovers of Cunningham through the air which was great Uh, but Cunningham hurt them a few different times on third down with his legs Um, and that's something that you know Virginia Tech's keying on JV on Hawkins and all of a sudden Cunningham pulls on a read option and then he's the runner and he's athletic when he gets into space as well so he's He's tough to bring down, certainly, and I I think overall, you know, Cunningham obviously threw the ball really well in the fourth quarter, uh, pulled Louisville back into the game. You know, Tech was up 31-14 and in a really good spot there, and then, you know, Louisville just kind of kept shipping away, right, Um, as did Virginia Tech, and it was just kind of tit for tat there in the fourth quarter. Great job by James Mitchell and the hands team. James Shebes I think deserves a lot of credit. Fuente talked about that in the post game about how crucial he's been to Virginia Tech's success on special teams. And I don't think he deserved. I don't think he gets the the praise and recognition that he deserves for how well prepared the special teams unit is every week for Virginia Tech. Um, but I, I think overall you got to be pretty encouraged by how the defense has responded the last couple of weeks. Now that they've gotten a bit healthier. So I think the defense can get better. Um, the, I don't know how much better, uh, but I think you can certainly, you know, see some signs that Virginia Tech is, you know, at least getting off to better starts in games defensively. That's for sure. But the fourth quarter, like Ricky mentioned, was a little bit concerning.
0: It was good. Certainly Virginia tech did not come out flat. Like they had in previous games. They actually came out doing exactly what they needed to do. That first touchdown drive, just bread and butter, running the ball. Second touchdown drive. They started off by putting the ball in the air. We see the reemergence of big play Trey, a 35 yard reception there. They finished that off with another touchdown on the ground. Things looked good, but I, I, I want to just talk about that offense, especially there in the first half, the, the balance of the game, right? I mean, your Virginia Tech team that just ran the ball 50 plus times, put it in the air 10, granted, all 10 for a completion. Is this the kind of balance that Virginia Tech fans need to accept? Is this the team that Virginia Tech is? Because quite frankly, I mean, you're still seeing people online complaining, well, we have a quarterback that can't put the ball in the air. Well, he did it 10 times, he did it efficiently. Nothing too flashy, but he made the plays he had to make.
1: Hendon Hooker can definitely put the ball in the air, but putting the ball in the air a ton and airing it out is not Virginia Tech's most efficient way of moving the football. It hasn't been all season. Um, I've been one of the people that has been asking for the passing game to try and get a bit more complex and try and scheme guys a bit more open and rely on play action and use this run game to your advantage in order to open up the passing game. Uh, We definitely saw that against Louisville. Um, I I don't expect Virginia tech to only throw the ball 10 times in a game, the rest of the season, but in a situation where the running game is working consistently, I mean, why the hell would you go away from it? And if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I applaud Brad Cornelson for sticking with the run as, as much as he did. And I hope he does not in the future because, honestly, I think that that's Virginia Tech's most likely way to win football games at this point, and that's not really a knock on to Hendon Hooker. Yes, Hendon Hooker has um, imperfections in his game. He's definitely not the most accurate thrower. Um, I think Hendon get, takes a bit time to, to get through his reads, um, and his progressions aren't as fast as you would like, uh, at least as compared to the elite college quarterbacks but I think the bigger issue resides in the offensive line who has struggled in pass protection. Now, back-to-back weeks, they've allowed six sacks in in, in the last two weeks and three sacks on 10 passing attempts is not very good <laughs> if we're, if we're, keep, if we're keeping it a, a stack. Um, the, the other problem is this Virginia Tech receiving core is simply not generating the separation that you'd like to see. Now we might've seen Virginia Tech's most, or excuse me, best executed pass play of the season in this Louisville game in the 42-yard strike to Trey Turner that got the Hokies first and goal. That was a beautifully executed play. Hendon Hooker made the exact read. He made the exact throw. Trey Turner hauled it in beautifully, and it it was probably the best passing play that we've seen Virginia Tech run all season long in terms of taking a risk, executing it, and getting the job done. Um, but to expect that, to to extrapolate that and expect it to happen consistently, is just being naive. Uh, Virginia Tech needs to continue to run the football. They need to run it a lot. I think they need to try and find ways to get other players involved in the run game to help try and take the load off of Hooker a bit because he's run the ball a lot here in the last few games, and I want to hit on that eventually here in the podcast, um, but they need to run the football a lot if they're going to keep their defense off the field and if they're going to win football games.
0: Yeah, Ricky, we'll get back to the question of Hooker running the ball in just a second because that's on my mind as well. Mike, I mean, when I look at Hendon Hooker, you do see a guy who is, he might not be the best quarterback in the ACC, but he's certainly the best quarterback for this team. So you know what, let, let, let's let's get right to it then for both Mike and Ricky. Hendon Hooker runs the ball a lot. And he takes a lot of hits and we see in Quincy Patterson over the long haul, a much more one-dimensional quarterback, not saying that he can't do it on the ground. And we saw Braxton Burmeister who, yeah, he can run the ball too, but again, very, very sporadic. We see the difference between this offense with Hendon Hooker and this offense without Hendon Hooker over the past two years. You know, it's a world of difference. The offense runs incredibly efficient with him at the helm does it scare you at all that Hendon hookers running the ball, you know, sometimes 17 times per game and, and taking these monster hits? Because I, I, I don't really know what my opinion on it is, but I, I, I feel like I'm holding my breath like five, 10 times a game when you watch them get rocked.
2: Yeah. I feel like there's been um, a reduction in true designed quarterback runs because, I, I mean, you think back to last year, Hooker was carrying the ball a ton, like a ton, on designed running plays. A lot of that had to do with the fact that Virginia Tech's running backs really weren't all that good last year, right? And now you have a great running back in Khalil Herbert. You're seeing more read options. You're seeing more um, plays just designed to just give the ball to their running back, which is great. Uh, the concern that I have is certainly with Hendon Hooker around the goal line because he's being utilized a ton down there because <laughs> the entire defense knows the ball is probably going to Khalil Herbert, so he's keeping the ball a ton um on read option plays i mean hooker's gonna have to run the ball as part of this offense right there's no question about it he's gonna have to run the football you know we've seen in the past what happens when virginia tech goes away from running the football in this offensive scheme uh with the quarterbacks right gerard evans had a really great year uh back in 2016 running the football and then the one game and chris coleman brought this up on the tech sideline podcast today i think it was a great point the one game where gerard evans didn't run the ball that much was against Syracuse tech lost that game in shocking fashion. Right. Um, Virginia tech needs to stay true to their identity. Now, I think there are ways to reduce the number of carries that head and hooker has say by inserting Quincy Patterson into, you know, short yard situations because everybody on earth knows Virginia tech's going to try to run the football anyway. So why not bring Quincy Patterson in, um, in some of those situations not all the time, but why not mix him in? I don't see a problem with that personally. Uh, but I think Kendon Hooker is just going to have to carry the ball as part of this offense as long as he's playing quarterback. Now, I, I'd like to not necessarily see him carry the ball 19 times, but him carrying the ball between 10 and 15 times a game is just going to be what has to happen as part of the nature of this offense. But I think there are ways to naturally cut down on some of those design quarterback carries uh, that we've seen out of Hooker so far. But Look, I mean, I don't want the quarterback to get hurt either, but head and running the football. I mean, he's a weapon with the ball in his hands, so I can understand why he is carrying the ball the way that he has when the ball's not coming to Khalil uh, Herbert. Now, I would like to see Raheem Blackshear get a little more, more involved. I mean, he had seven carries in this game, but all, I thought he was supposed to be this weapon in the receiving game. I don't know what happened to that. Everybody's talking about how he's going to line up all over the field and the coaching staff's all high on him, and I, we just really haven't seen it. And some of that I know he was out with – uh COVID in the preseason and then had to work his way back and he had a hamstring injury and he was working his way back from that so i I get all of that but i think getting him a bit more involved in the offense considering how the tech coaching staff spoke of him would be good moving forward it would just give the hoagies another weapon
1: definitely um hookers ran the ball 54 times in the last three games which is An incredible clip. And Mike, you're right that Tech needs to have the quarterback run as a um, necessary element to this offense. I I really do think that that's what makes this Fuente Cornelson offense work. If you go back to 2017 and 2018, the offense did not operate with as much efficiency because Josh Jackson and Ryan Willis simply were not um, talented runners with the football. Uh, especially once Josh Jackson got hurt later in the year. And it it, it really showed in Virginia Tech's offensive output. Um, you insert Hendon Hooker into the, into the lineup in 2019. And all of a sudden you have a viable running threat at quarterback and Virginia Tech's offense starts to, to find a rhythm. Uh, and it looks a lot more like 2016 with Gerard Evans. So they do need to find a way to lighten hookers load. I do. It, it I argued before the season even started against a rotating quarterback system. And I don't think it should be rotating, but I I do think that there are ways that you can work Quincy Patterson into this. He is a guy who is going to be pretty fresh. He hasn't played a lot this year. Um, He has proven that he can shoulder a lot of carries in the game and, and do it efficiently and churn out yards. So I do agree that they need to work it, work him into the game plan. Some, just to give Hooker a break because 54 carries in three games is a ton. And we're already seeing Hooker. He has that black shoulder brace on again that he wore uh, for a lot of last year. So I'm sure that his shoulder is bothering him a little bit again, like it did last season. You really need Hendon Hooker to stay upright, healthy and ready to go for the rest of the season. If you want this offense to operate at the, the efficiency that it can, because Neither Quincy Patterson or Braxton Burmeister are going to go 10 for 10 in any situation. Um, Hennon Hooker isn't this elite passer, but he's by far the best passer on the football team. And you need him on, on the field to get this offense going, but you do have to pick your spots and find ways to get him a break if you can, because you do need to be able to save him for the remainder of the season. And remember guys, they have Miami who's going to be a dogfight. Uh, their their defensive line is absolutely ridiculous. Clemson, obviously, we saw what Brian Brisee can do. He's almost guaranteed to be a first-round pick, and the guy's a freshman. So Tech has plenty of, of defensive uh, issues coming up on the schedule, and they need to make sure that Hooker's healthy. And the best way to do that is to try and limit his, his usage and um, just keep him healthy. Another thing, too – would be to get him to slide a bit more. I, I actually like his mentality of not going down at the first sight of trouble and Hendon's always fighting for extra yards, and you appreciate that um, as an observer. But long-term, that's probably not the best idea, given that Hooker's not this 245-pound tank of a quarterback. He's, he's relatively slender. Um, he needs to be, uh, I think, a bit smarter uh, and think a bit more long-term and maybe try and avoid some of the, some of the contact that he's taken over the last few weeks.
0: Yeah. And like, I want to ask you because I'm just looking at this kind of game plan overall, right? They ran the ball a lot. They didn't, they weren't forced to put the ball up in the air very frequently at all. I mean, and the circumstances were perfect for that. You take a 21 point lead due to a good, you know, good field position to start. You force a turnover. Boom. You're up 21, nothing at that point. You're also up against a team, as Ricky previously mentioned, that wasn't the best defensive line unit to begin with and then just gets decimated by this COVID you know, outbreak on the team between actual cases and contact tracing. You lose six guys up front. You're not always going to have that against Miami. Like you said, Pitt has one of the best defensive run stopping lines in the entire country. How sustainable is this? Is there anything more you would have liked to see or, or you kind of just got to be happy with what we got because the offensive ran so efficiently on Saturday?
2: Well, in, in terms of the running game, this is kind of what's been all year, right? W- with the exception of the Wake Forest game, which went a little sideways. Um, the offense has been totally predicated on how well tech runs the football. That's been kind of what's been carrying the Hokies all year long. Um, The passing game, like Tech's not a traditional dropback passing team. Everything is built off of their running game. So if Tech runs the ball well, they're going to have a pretty good chance of throwing the ball well too. If Tech's not running the football well and you're in predictable passing situations, we saw the issues that Hedden Hooker had offensively a week ago against Wake Forest because they're in predictable passing situations. Tech doesn't have the receivers right now who can win one-on-one. And you see what, what that does to the passing game for Virginia Tech. Now – if the Hokies continue to run the ball well with Khalil Herbert and Hennon Hooker and whoever else decides to carry the football, I think Tech will be in a good spot with the passing game because Hooker is accurate enough when guys are gaining separation at receiver that you know he's going to be able to make some plays through the air. And like Ricky said, he's not the most accurate passer on the planet, but he's the best passer on the team. We expect that to continue now throughout the rest of the year as long as Tech continues to run the football like they have for the most part this season.
0: Yeah, Rick, one thing that kind of stuck out to me was you know, going into this season, we saw the departure of Damon Hazleton and we saw prior to the beginning of the season, the injury to Jaden payout. And we knew this was going to be a more humble wide receiver group. And that's why it was surprising that we didn't get much out of Trey Turner early now against wake forest. Trey was able to get something going offensively at that time, you know, five receptions for 61 yards was his best game of the year, but, it still was limited. His longest reception was 16 yards in that game. We saw the reemergence of a big play Trey, two catches in big spots, longer than 30 yards. Do you expect this to be more of a theme going forward? I I thought that Trey Turner was going to be outside of the running game, the centerpiece of this offense. That that hadn't been the case to this point, but we saw some signs of life against Louisville. Uh,
1: Depends if he's going to be healthy or not. He came up lame again in this Louisville game um Trey is battling some sort of hamstring or foot injury um it's been nagging him now for a few weeks um he has had injury issues before so if he's healthy then yeah I do think that they'll feature him but something to keep in mind about this tech passing game is that nobody's really having a great year like nobody on this team has um more than 18 catches so this is just because you're you're not seeing guys put up giant numbers doesn't mean that they can't play a big impact in the offense like obviously James Mitchell plays a big role in this offense especially in play action um but his numbers really aren't all that great. I mean he's got 18 catches for 311 yards and four touchdowns um which is is okay but if you ask any tech fan they'll tell you that James Mitchell is an integral part of the offense. And he really is. Um, but Trey does need to stay healthy. The problem is, is that they need him on the field. So they can't really afford to limit his snaps and put him on a snap count because the guys behind him just simply aren't, aren't going to produce. Uh, Tavion Robinson has really cooled off here in the last couple games. Um, Caleb Smith hasn't really done a lot either. He hasn't been able to generate that separation neither Evan Fairs nor Changa Hodge have done anything um, well, those two graduates
0: Fares, to his credit is amazing in the pass or in the run blocking.
1: yes, but in terms of adding to the passing game which I think both of them were expected to do at least a little bit, um, they've been completely non impactful uh, and I think that that's those are really two giant disappointments for the offense because we were told, coming into the season that both of those guys had a chance to be really productive and neither one of them has done really much of anything. Um, So this, this passing game does really rely on Turner and Mitchell. They really need Trey out there. Uh, But I just have no idea if he's going to stay healthy for the rest of the season. You almost have to expect that he's not going to stay healthy for the rest of the season, that Virginia Tech's going to have to really start to get creative in the passing game and find ways to get other guys open.
0: Uh, one thing I, I was slightly critical of was Virginia Tech's play calling, or at least their execution on third down one for seven on the day. They did go one for one on fourth down, but at the, at the end of the day, we know what we have in this defense. And I think being able to, control the clock, control the ball on these drives and extend them, give your defense more of a break and keep them off the field against better teams is going to be one of Virginia tech's keys to success. They did not do that effectively on Saturday. What was your opinion on the third down play calling? What could they have they done better?
2: To be honest with you on third down, it's, it's all dependent on down and distance, right? I mean, there are some situations where it's third and, more than four yards, right? And Virginia Tech's in a spot where they're in a predictable passing situation. And like we've talked about, when Virginia Tech's in predictable passing situations, they're in a rough spot. Um, they they just can't just sit back there and have and Hooker, you know, consistently deliver the ball to receivers that can't get open. Um, but also, I think the pass protection, and this has this kind of gone under the radar a little bit, the pass protection hasn't been spectacular. Now, I think some of that, and it's been a little bit hit or miss, some, some games are better than others. Some of it certainly has to do with the fact that receivers aren't getting open and Hooker has to hold on to the ball a bit longer uh, than he should. But against Wake Forest, it wasn't very good. Um, against Louisville, it was mostly okay. But there were some scenarios throughout this game where, um, you know, Hooker was in a predictable passing spot and the protection broke down. He got sacked. And, you know, he delivers an accurate ball when these guys are getting open, but I think what would help with third down and the fact that Virginia Tech's lack of conversions on third down, what would help with that is doing better a better job on first and second down with play calling. Um, we can talk about third down play calling all day long, but I think the issue with third down play calling is you're kind of at the mercy of what the down distance is to a degree. And, you know, third and short, Virginia Tech's going to try to run the football. That's just kind of what they do or they're going to try to run play action off that with Hooker. But if you get to those third and five, third and six, you know, those types of scenarios, it's, you know, Cornelius is going to try to throw the football, but if he doesn't, it's like, you know, lack of trust in the receivers, I think would be a fair statement to make that, you know, they're going to get open consistently enough on longer down and distance. So I think Texas needs to be more consistent on first and second down, obviously, and and get into more manageable third down situations because throwing the football it's not this terrible thing for the Hokies, but when they get into these long down and distance situations, it becomes a little bit tougher on Brad Cornelson when he can't trust the receivers to get open.
1: This offense really needs to stay on schedule. They're an offense that really needs to stay ahead of the chains. They do not want to find themselves in third long situations, um, because if they do, they, they simply just don't have the, the traditional drop back passing game to convert consistently. Um, even if Hendon Hooker goes 10 for 10 in this game, you're, you, you're not going to sit here and go, oh, Virginia Tech can all of a sudden they can throw the ball 25 times. No, they need to pass the ball almost as, as little as possible, simply because their, their yards per play on the ground is far greater.
0: Now I I want to turn to the defensive side of the ball. And this is, we've talked about it before an issue that has plagued Virginia tech back to Bud Foster. And now it seems to have leaked into the Justin Hamilton era, Malik Cunningham, a dual threat guy. I mean, man, he just gave me a stomach ache all day. He, He could do it all 350 yards in the air. Virginia tech, not all the interceptions were Cunningham's fault, but his three interceptions really kept the Hokies in the game. You allow this guy to have a career high day passing the ball and now you got to face all these dual threat quarterbacks going forward. What adjustments, I mean, this is, I mean, this is, I guess the unanswerable question for Virginia Tech, what adjustments do you have to make to stop guys that can do it both ways?
1: Well, Tech made one of them on Saturday and they benched Dax Hollyfield. <laughs> Dax's role on Saturday was waving his white towel like a helicopter on the sideline anytime Virginia Tech's offense started moving the football Um no, I, I don't recall Dax playing much, if any, in the Louisville game. Um, Alan Tisdale was pretty terrific in, in this game. He was tied for the lead in tackles on the team. He had two and a half TFLs. He was flying around the football field. Um, he looked engaged. He looked like he was in the right position. It definitely looked like Alan Tisdale's best game of the season, um, but – I think the general issue here for Virginia Tech, and this is an issue generally, uh, I I think, across the college football landscape, is that a lot of defenses simply do not have the speed and athleticism to handle uber athletes at quarterback. Um, We go through recruiting classes all the time, and usually the, the players that are the best athletes, the guys who are the most agile and, and the fastest, the guys who can get from sideline to sideline the fastest are usually playing offense. They're usually playing receiver. They're usually playing playing running back, or they're usually playing quarterback. The the better athletes do not play defense. So the guys who are incredible athletes and that the ones that do play defense, they're not signing at schools like Virginia Tech. They're signing at Clemson. They're signing at Alabama. They're signing at Ohio State and. Virginia Tech does not have incredible team speed on the defensive side of the football. Shamari Connors, not a, a terrific athlete. Divine Diablo is slower than you'd like at, at safety. Um, not having Caleb Farley makes a giant difference in terms of keeping up with guys defensively. Rayshard Ashby is a below average linebacker in the speed department specifically. Uh, Virginia Tech's defensive ends outside of Amari Barno are not terrific athletes and guys that have above average speed for for an end, an end or edge guy. So Virginia Tech does, just doesn't have the, the team speed that you would like. And really, this has been an issue for the last several years, and I think that that's part of the reason why Virginia Tech has struggled so much against mobile quarterbacks, because even when you do cover on the back end, sometimes it's hard to get the guy when he's scrambling for a first down.
0: Yeah, Mike. And, you know, Ricky just mentioned speed and athleticism and how Virginia Tech, you know, doesn't necessarily have that level that might stack up to some of their opponents in some of these higher-end programs. We definitely saw that with the big plays. And they have been a problem all year when Virginia Tech has faced these uber-athletes. I mean, you mentioned it earlier if you look at 99% of what the Virginia tech defense did, they certainly took a big step forward. If I, if you had told me that they'd hold Louisville to 108 yards, total rushing, I'd be like, wow, great game. But you throw in a back backbreaking 90 yard run at the end of the half for Louisville. And, and and that's inexcusable on the final play of a half. Again, 270 yards passing. If you don't ha- add in that 82 yard touchdown pass, that, cunningham through but again the big play gets you and it kept louisville in the game luckily offensively virginia tech scored on every drive in the second half and louisville wasn't allowed to play catch up but i think that's an unfair expectation i guess adding waller back w- would be a, a big plus there but what if anything in virginia tech do to limit this does it just come down to discipline
2: Yeah and better tackling and I think Virginia Tech for the most part did a better job tackling on Saturday but the one thing I will note is that like I don't want to take this game off of two really explosive plays and make this a referendum on the way the defense played. I think the defense certainly could have been better in the fourth quarter. I think the tackling throughout the game was the best we've seen on the year. Ashby was better. Tisdale played his best game Ricky I mean he was outstanding. I think having Dax Hollyfield off of the field is better for the defense and everybody loves Dax, but I, I mean, I think tech made the right decision and Justin Hamilton and Tracy plays made the right call um, by removing Dax from the, the fold and having Ashby and Tisdale be the primary linebackers moving forward. Uh, but I, I think overall for Tech just needs to continue to play uh, with the guys they have play together as a unit and tr- continue to try to tackle to the best of their ability. There's a, inherent ceiling to what Virginia tech's defense is going to be this year because of the personnel that they have. And, you know, they're obviously small on the defensive line, especially on the interior. And there's going to be a limit put on Virginia tech defensively in the linebacking core because of the athleticism that Ricky was just talking about. But I think with the guys they got, what they can do to kind of be the best version of themselves moving forward is to just tackle better And just know your assignments. I think there have been too often, uh, there have been times too often this year where Virginia Tech's linebackers have been out of position or the defensive backs have done a poor job run filling. And that's led to just uh, one guy, one athletic player in the open field making a guy miss defensively and then breaking out for these long plays it doesn't take much for an explosive play to happen on your defense if guys are out of position. And I think Virginia tech has done a better job recently of making sure guys are where they're supposed to be and are, and are, you know, playing with their keys defensively. But when you don't play like that, you have a 90 yard run before halftime. You have an 82 yard touchdown pass. Um, You have issues that crop up throughout the game where one guy misses an assignment and it turns into a really explosive play. So Virginia Tech's defense just needs to continue to play together with the guys that they got. I think that'll go a long way and continue to tackle better and just know your assignments. I think it's as simple as that.
0: Ricky, the the addition of Taylor back at the safety role, mixed results so far. Would you prefer to roll with him or would you like to see Keontae Jenkins
1: back in there? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really sure that there is a discernible difference between the two. Um, long-term Keontae Jenkins is probably someone you would rather have on the field. Uh, but if you're concerned about winning football games right now, I think I might take the guy who has a bit more experience than Devin Taylor. I think Devin Taylor is, is pretty decent in coverage. What bothers me about Taylor is I don't think he's very good in the run game whatsoever. Uh, um, I think Keontae Jenkins will be much better suited in that in, in that end. But the problem that Virginia Tech has is that Divine Diablo is kind of a liability in coverage. And quite frankly, he's been this way for most of his career. He, he, he just doesn't have the, the top-end athleticism that you're looking for from a free safety, from a guy who can cover tight ends and cover slot guys and cover receivers whenever he gets matched up on him. which is why Divine Diablo, I think, at least partially the reason why he has moved to this Um, boundary safety rover position this year rather than playing free. Um, Devin Taylor and Keonta Jenkins are better fits over there physically. Uh, So I think you have to roll with Devin Taylor unless um, something changes and all of a sudden he becomes a a complete issue in coverage in which you might as well go ahead and go with the young buck. But um, Mike said it correctly that Tech does have a ceiling on how good they're going to be defensively. Uh, But anytime you give up 35 points to a two-win football team, you're going to have to face some criticism, whether it was just a few plays or not. Um, And for for too many times this season, the Virginia Tech defense just looks like they have no answers. Uh, We've seen it in way too many football games. Um, So this, this defense has definitely been a disappointment for sure. And they have a long way to go both in the talent development world and on the recruiting trail for them to fill these gaps in the roster.
0: Well, Ricky, I mean, just to push back on that, I think that, I mean, you look at the team that Wake Forest put out there and they've certainly had better games offensively against everyone other than Virginia tech. And maybe not the total product was great on Saturday, but there were certainly signs of improvement. Are you more confident about this defense today than you were say three, four
1: weeks ago? somewhat i mean again i think we've figured out that this tech defense there are there are going to be times and games where they can get some stops but i think by and large this defense is going to give up roughly 30 points a game for the rest of the season um miami is going to be a huge problem Um, clemson obviously that's not even a, a, a discussion liberty is going to be an issue We'll talk about that in the next podcast, but this offense is no joke. They've got some serious athleticism in their backfield between um, Malik Willis, a quarterback, and the two running backs that they have. Uh, Virginia, I mean, look, it, it, if Brennan Armstrong is on the field, Virginia can move the football. So this Tech defense is not going to get very many reprieves for the rest of the season. You, if we want to talk about Pitt maybe being a reprieve, then that's fine. But if you look at Miami, Clemson, Virginia, Liberty, Virginia Tech is not going to face a bad offense in any of those football games. And I think that this defense is going to have severe issues in stopping all four of those teams. And I'd be shocked if they gave up less than 30 points to any of them.
0: So, you know, first of all, Mike, same question. Where are you on this defense versus where you were a few weeks ago? Are things trending upward or do you agree with Ricky generally?
2: Yeah, I mean, from a from a yards and, and points perspective, which is all that really matters, I mean, Tech hasn't improved all that much. But I think when you watch over the course of the game, I think you have to feel better about how Tech's defense is played. You just have to. Um, with the way they started the game specifically against Louisville, I thought defensively against Wake Forest. That wasn't the reason why they lost the game, obviously. We got into that at length. So I think the defense is playing better, but they got to stop giving up the big play, which continues to be a problem Um, and like Ricky said there are offenses remaining on the schedule um, that are obviously going to be able to move the ball well and are going to have athletes on the field that can produce chunk plays even Liberty who I think Virginia Tech as long as they play how they're supposed to I think they'll beat Liberty pretty comfortably but if they don't show up and have a weak force like performance Liberty is more than capable and they're coached well enough to go out there and beat Virginia Tech on Saturday in Blacksburg so Virginia Tech needs to play well against Liberty in order to win the game how they're supposed to, but Liberty, I guess, if you're looking at it from um, the remaining five games, you look at Liberty, even though they're ranked 25th, it's like, all right, well, from a skill talent standpoint, this is the weakest opponent remaining on Virginia Tech's schedule just based on roster composition, but their offense is still pretty good, like Ricky mentioned, so I agree. I mean, outside of the Pittsburgh game, I think every offense Virginia Tech faces the rest of the way is going to test the defense in some way, shape, or form.
0: Certainly, we could look at this schedule before the season started, and we talked about it on this very podcast. We said the bulk of the challenges that Virginia Tech is going to face is on that tail end in a long streak, but here we are. You know, we're six games into the season. Virginia Tech's four and two. They got diced up by Carolina in a game where they scored a lot of points. And for reasons due to COVID and just defensive inefficiency, they allowed North Carolina to score 54 on them. They dropped one to wake forest. The other game has been a mixed bag. Some have been close. Some have been not, but Virginia tech. I mean, right now they're kind of hovering around the top 25, not necessarily in it yet. I mean, what's your expectation going forward? What's a level expectation for this team in their final five games?
1: I would expect to see probably two more losses on the schedule. Um, Clemson is, is an L. It doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback for Clemson. Um, their, their defense is absolutely ridiculous. Their offense, despite losing all of the talent that they have lost over the last couple of seasons, is, is still one of the best in the country. Um, Trevor Lawrence will probably be back by that point. I, I can't believe that he wouldn't be. Um, he's the best quarterback in the country. So Virginia tech is going to lose that game. Sorry. Um, Miami, I'm, I'm going to bank on that being a loss. I don't think Virginia tech is going to beat Miami. I think Derek King is, is, is going to be too much of a problem. I think the defensive front Miami is going to be too much of a problem. Um, I don't think that Virginia tech is going to be able to overcome that. Now I do see wins against Liberty, Pittsburgh and Virginia, Um, but I just, I don't know, man. I, I think two losses is, is realistic. Um, we can have a debate another day about whether or not that's good enough. Uh, but that's for a different podcast. But I I do think that there's probably two losses remaining on the schedule. And if they somehow beat Miami, then again, it would just given Fuente's track record where he has these at least one clunker a year it wouldn't shock me if they go into a place like Pittsburgh and lose or if they lose to a team like Virginia. I mean, we have to understand at this point that Virginia is not a a shoe in to win any of these football games. They're not a shoe in to beat Liberty. They're not a shoe in to beat Virginia. They're not a shoe in to beat Pittsburgh. They are sure as hell not shoe ins to beat Miami and Clemson. So Virginia tech has reached the point partially given just this ACC in general, but Virginia tech's talent level, what we've seen thus far they're not good enough to book them beating anybody left on the schedule and guarantee it what do you think Mike
2: I, I think the the most reasonable expectation I think would be three and two with wins against Pittsburgh Liberty and UVA losses to Miami and Clemson um, I, I think Virginia Tech can beat Miami I don't know if they will they're not going to be favored um, but it's uh, it's a game for Virginia Tech to certainly win. So I think best-case scenario, you're looking at four and one. Like Ricky said, Tech's not going to beat Clemson. Um, and I'm not sure that should be a referendum on anything, just given what Clemson's doing to everybody right now.
1: Um, well, it, it, it all depends on where you think Virginia Tech should be in their fifth year in the program. But again, that's a different topic for a different podcast. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Ricky.
0: Year five in the program, here's where I know they should be not losing to Liberty at home and I don't care how good their quarterback is and who
1: yes yes I I I totally 100% agree with you but Virginia Tech can lose this game against Liberty
0: (laughs) yeah I mean I feel like in 2020 you can win and you can lose any game we've just saw it last week with Virginia beating North Carolina and Florida State beating North Carolina and all the crazy crap that happens just don't lose to Liberty we will get to that later though Mike continue your point I'm sorry
2: No, I I was just saying, I think most reasonably three and two. And then I think four and one's on the table. I think two and three's on the table. Like Ricky mentioned, it wouldn't shock me if tech loses the two games they're supposed to against Miami and Clemson and then loses to a Virginia or loses to a Pittsburgh. Um, And I think Virginia tech got their clunker out of the way against Wake Forest, but I don't think you count anything out with the way 2020 has been for a lot of teams in the ACC. There've been some weird game results. And Virginia Tech is certainly not immune to that. We just saw that a week ago against Wake Forest.
0: Yeah, it really just depends on you know how well they can stick to their identity. And again, I'm not writing in a W against UVA, and maybe I was before, but Brennan Armstrong has improved and since he's been back on the field, Virginia is a different team. Pittsburgh, again, their defensive line and their ability to stop the run is the strength of that team. Can't rule that out either. So it's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride. You know, it's going to be a wild ride and there's a lot of reason to get excited, but there's a lot of reason to be nervous. But I think that's kind of where we've been at with every game of the year so far. I mean, there's been just, so much of a toss-up factor. They got the job done against Louisville, and I think that's what matters. So we can leave it at that, gentlemen. You got anything for the people before we, we t-
1: uh, you know, end this thing? Um, read our stuff. Read, read Mike stuff. Go read my stuff. Listen to Andrew's show. Follow us on Twitter. Um, even if tomorrow we're all kind of on hiatus <laughs> from from social media, um, make sure you like. Um, us on facebook we have a facebook page now we'll be putting every episode of the podcast on facebook links to them uh we're gonna have some other stuff coming out on facebook in the near future which i won't delve into at the moment um make sure you subscribe to the pod go on apple go on stitcher google play spotify whatever the hell app you use to listen to these days damn kids um make sure you subscribe leave a five-star review uh, tell us if you have any advice on how to pick football games because clearly I got nothing. Uh, I don't know what my results were from this week, but I'm willing to bet they were bad again. We all did bad. Okay, th- thanks. So that'll be on the next podcast about how how crappy our football picks are still and there's no sign of improvement. Um, but in all seriousness, share the pod with your friends. Uh, continue to listen. We really do appreciate it. Um, this has been even though the football team's been a three and a half hour stomach ache every weekend doing this podcast twice a week has not been a stomach ache we've really we really do enjoy it and um, the more you guys share it the more you guys listen the more we'll keep cranking out episodes michael
2: ricky covered it go rate and review us
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Ricky did do that.
0: We covered all the bases there. And we hope we covered all the bases of Virginia Tech.
1: Oh, and if you're in Blacksburg, go to Main Street Farm, man. What are you doing? True.
0: Very, very true. Head on down to Main Street Pharmacy. I'm telling you, service, it just doesn't get better. I really can promise you that. Well, the Hokies, they got to play Celebration by Cool and the Gang this week, you know. And now here's a real sentence for you, folks. Number 25, Liberty, coming to town to face an unranked Virginia Tech team. We will tell you guys all about it when our next podcast releases on Thursday. Until then, you know, stay safe. Go out. Get your vote in. Exercise that American right. This is, uh, you know, turbulent times, my friends. So, just stick together. You know, the world is uh, bigger than what you see on your TV screen. I promise you that. You know, and, and also here's one this is going to come out on uh, Tuesday. If you're in Blacksburg, head on down to True North Title Company, 200 Country Club Drive in Blacksburg. My uh, friend Tina Merritt, she is the traffic lady on ESPN Blacksburg. She also has a full time job where she runs True North Title Company. She decided that on the most divisive day of the year, let's bring the community together, get a food bank going. So if you have non perishable food, oh, items- yeah bring them over 200 country club drive. If you know me, you can call me and I will pick them up from your house and bring them over for you. So how about that? Do a good deed on a day where, you know, the world seems like a darker place than usual, but until then we'll see you on Thursday. Go Hokies, my friends.